Good morning. You'll have to excuse my voice. I'm a little bit hoarse all week. And if you can't see my shirt, let me know. We'll talk after the service. This is my highlighter yellow shirt. These are hard to come by sometimes, so when you find them, you got to snatch them up. But I want to start with a video this morning. It's another commercial. One of my favorite commercials. I do not have Geico insurance, but they have some of the, the most wonderful commercials. And this is one of my favorite ones. So we've been talking about being obedient. And this morning, I want us to think about being honest, not only with those around us, but also with ourselves and with God. Because part of being obedient is not just doing it because we have to, but it's also doing it with the right heart, as we've talked about. It's also doing it God's way, as we've talked about. And we're going to see where it's important to examine ourselves to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do. So if you'll go ahead and put the video on, we'll get started this morning. The beast was as long as the boat. For seven hours we did battle, until I said, You will not beat me! Greg, what should I do with your fish? Gary, just put it in the cooler. If you're a fisherman, you tell tales. It's what you do. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to GEICO. It's what you do. Put the fish in the cooler! We could watch that again, couldn't we? I don't know why, but I like that commercial. Now, I'm not a fisherman. I like to fish for about 30 minutes, and if I've not caught something, I'm ready to go home. But my wife enjoys that, and if I do catch one, I like to talk about how big it is. And you can kind of see my fingers out through here. It's like I caught a fish this big and, and it's really this large. It's easy to get caught up into those things. It's easy to get to share those things. But yet it's very important for us to be honest, not only with those around us, but also with God and with ourselves. And this morning we're going to look at a story. We've been examining people who God struck dead, which is kind of an unusual take to start off on. But it's been a very interesting journey to see people who have been disobedient and to see how God had a very, shall we say, strict judgment upon them, if you will. This morning we're going to examine another one of those stories. And we're going to see what we can glean from that. So look at me in Acts chapter number 4. And we're going to begin with verse number 32. This is a little bit of the, the pre-story, I guess you will. It says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. This is talking about the early church. The very beginning of the days of the disciples were, were gathering everybody together in a sense, if you will, around Christ. And they were going out and they were pushing forward and wonderful things were happening. It says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of, Lord, of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Verse number 34 says, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the price of things which were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Now this is a picture of the, the very church, if you will. And I can imagine what an exciting time this would have been. People gathering around and, and hearing this wonderful message of Jesus Christ, most of them for the first time. Hearing this and, and seeing the great wonderful miracles they were doing and, and having a, a great and wonderful hope that they, that they each shared together, they were willing to give everything to see this message go forth. They were willing to give everything and have everything together so that they could, 
see God's purpose go forward. This would have been a people filled with purpose, filled with hope. And it says of one heart and one soul. We find if we looked a little bit back in history that the early church, many believed that Christ's return was imminent even back then. They were looking for him to return at any moment, if you will. Many of them saw everything they had because they wanted to see that gospel message go forward. They wanted to help those in need. In the NIV version, verse number 34, and it says that there were no needy persons among them. It says, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales. Now, I like that. Someone said this. I did not come up with this, but I wrote it down. It said, this is about seeing ourselves as stewards rather than possessors. You know, oftentimes we think that the things that we have are ours. And yet the truth is, the Lord has blessed us greatly with blessings. And he has entrusted us to use those for his glory and for his benefit. Today we have a lot of times where people are looking for compelling reasons, I guess, to, to make people share and to, to make people give into different things. And yet people were voluntarily sharing, serving, helping, sacrificing, giving. They truly loved their neighbors. They truly wanted to help those in need. And they saw all kinds of needs around them. The truth is, church, there are still all kinds of needs around us. When we look around and we sing the song about the city, and that was a picture of Ashland, I'm pretty sure. I recognize the two bridges. I've not been here for very long, but I was like, I've seen those two bridges. That's our city. There are needs in our city. And most of the time, the greatest needs are not physical needs, but they're spiritual needs. Most of the time, the greatest need is not food and supplies and things like that, but it's mercy and grace and hope. And they need to know the love of Jesus Christ. We struggle to find needs sometimes. We struggle to find true needs sometimes. And yet, I guarantee you they're still out there. There are people that need what we as Christians are offering through Jesus Christ. As we get ready, I told you that we were going to talk about people who were struck dead in the Bible. Today is no different. And we're getting ready to start chapter number 5 in the book of Acts. And what we often think about is the two people that were struck dead for lying to the Holy Ghost. For lying about the property that they had sold. And I shared that beginning part to tell about what an exciting time that was. And how, how wonderful it would have been to be a part of that and to see those amazing things happen. And yet we're getting ready to be introduced to two people who wanted all the praise and glory, but didn't want to have to make any of the sacrifice and have to have a true trust in the Lord. What we're going to see is two people who faked what they were doing. Two people who lied about what they were doing. Two people who were at their very core disobedient to what they had told God that they were going to do and to what no doubt he had called them and how he had called them to serve. Truth is we examine the blessings of obedience, we're going to see two people where when they were disobedient this morning, we kind of get it. You know, in the past a couple of weeks we've looked at People who God struck dead quite understand it. If you remember, we looked at Uzzah, who was the guy walking along with the ark, and as the ox stumbled, he reached up and just touched it with his hand to steady it a little bit, and God struck him dead just like that. And my first thought was, why did God do that? Because that guy was just trying to help. Except as we looked in our lesson, we saw where God said, don't touch the box. They weren't supposed to even have it on a cart. They were disobedient from the beginning, if you will. And so even though it was hard to understand, we could see where God said, I gave you a command, follow it. Last week we looked at, at two brothers 
who were Aaron's sons, if I remember correctly, Nadab and Abahu, Abahu, and they were struck dead for offering strange fire to the Lord. They had brought strange fire to the tabernacle, and, and there were lots of reasons that perhaps they did this. Perhaps it was complacency. Perhaps it was pride. We even talked about perhaps they'd been drinking a little bit and just didn't know what they were doing or, or had made a poor choice in that. Yet today we're going to look at two people who we say, they really messed up. They failed. I see that. So look with me in Acts chapter number 5. We're going to begin with verse number 1. It says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain, excuse me, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, this story starts off where we're introduced to two people who had a piece of property in their possession, and they sold that property a lot like the other people around them perhaps were. They sold that property like a lot of their friends and their, their brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would have been considered a part of that family. They were selling things. They're like, I want to do that too. So we see where they sold a piece of that, except they kept part of it back. They didn't really share the whole thing, and yet they presented the idea that they had. That's where their part was. It was theirs. They could do what they wanted to with it. And yet, when they got this, they kind of pretended that this is everything. We, we've done what we're supposed to. Look how faithful we are. Look how good we are. It's kind of hard to determine why they decided to keep part of the price back, because the Bible doesn't exactly tell us that. Perhaps they kept part of it back because they just liked the idea of helping. It was good to see everybody else doing something and, and to be able to give and to share. And yet, maybe they didn't quite trust enough to give it all. Maybe they just kind of got caught up in the moment and go, we'll do this. And then they found out, we don't really trust for sure. We're not, we're not sure if that's what we want to do. I think more likely they probably liked the praise of men. They like for people to be around them and go, man, look how dedicated those two people are. They sold all this stuff and, and gave everything, and they really liked that pat on the back. They liked everybody saying good things about them. In a sense, they wanted Christ, and they also wanted the praise of the world too. I'll tell you, church, you can't have both. We can't have the praise of God and the praise of men avenue that we undertake. Because when we share the truth of God's Word, sometimes it steps on toes. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes people don't like it. Perhaps they just wanted it all, if you will. Maybe they just let the devil in. Maybe they just opened themselves up to, the, to, the, to the letting the devil come in. And you know what? Every time the devil comes in, he always makes a mess. And not just a little mess sometimes. Sometimes it is a great big mess. Verse number 3, though. We're going to see where Peter recognized that what was going on. It says, and Peter said, Ananias. Remember, this was a guy bringing money to sit it down at the apostles' feet. Who said, I've sold this land and I want to give you the money. He says, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Wow. His little thing went from right here to right here in a hurry, didn't it? It wasn't just I'm deceiving and me and my wife will be the only one to know. Now the great apostle Peter knew and he said, not only did you lie to us, you've also lied to the Holy Ghost. You've also lied to God. And to keep back part of the price of the land. Verse number four says, while it, whilst it remained, while it was yours, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? 
He said, Peter, Peter said, I didn't make you sell that. You could have kept that. You could have sold that and kept that money for yourself if you wanted to. Nobody made you do that. But yet, here he was, standing, deceiving, lying. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now maybe Ananias didn't lie directly. He doesn't have his lie down there. And yet he insinuated that all the money was there. He insinuated that he was just like everybody else. Peter also tells us a great lesson there that, that I guess a lot of times we forget today. But the Holy Ghost is God. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we can call the Holy Ghost it. It's not it, it's he. We should always use the word he because the Holy Ghost is God. He told earlier that, said, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And he said, you've not just lied unto men, but unto God. Oh, Ananias is done up to here, if you will. Ananias' mess is just getting larger and larger and larger. And judgment came quickly. The next verse, verse number five says this. And you can imagine Peter talking. And Ananias, hearing these words, that Peter was just speaking, fell down and gave up the ghost. He dropped dead, for lack of a better word. And great fear came upon all those, all these things, excuse me, all them that these things. And the young men arose and wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. It didn't take very long. The Bible tells us in the space of three hours that all these things happened. Peter shares this great truth with Ananias that he knew in his heart already. But this truth with Ananias, and Ananias fell down dead. Sitting around, and I can imagine people were watching people bring their, their possessions up, if you will, to give them for the cause of the kingdom of God. And you can imagine people sitting around and, and talking and watching and, and maybe even congratulating or encouraging, whatever word, encouraging might be a better word. Encouraging one another and going, that's great. Some of them got up from where they were seated at. They picked that guy up off the floor and they carried him out and they went and buried him right then. Didn't seem to be any kind of fuss. I'm sure they didn't have time to do a lot of things. Just like that. If we were to read the rest of the story, his wife comes in three hours later. And as she comes in, Peter asks her if the land had been sold for how much. You know what she does? She tells the same lie. She said, yes. Yes, that's how much we sold it for. Yes, that's what the truth is. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Verse number five says this. Or excuse me, verse number nine says this. Then Peter said unto her, how is it? Talking about to, to his wife said, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. He basically said, I hear the people coming that just finished burying your husband. I hear them walking back in and they're getting ready to carry you out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet 
and yielded up the ghost. That means she fell dead too. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Verse number 11 says this, and great fear, I can imagine, great fear came upon all the church. You can imagine the church being a part of all this that was going on here. When they heard that or when they witnessed that thing, it brought great fear among all of them. And not only upon them, upon as many as heard these things. Now, there's a lot of directions we could go this morning. The one thing that always crosses my mind was, why was God so strict back then? Why did he have to strike those people dead just like that? This was an important time in the church. Perhaps God was reminding them of the standard and the work that was ahead of them. Perhaps it was because their deceit was so blatant. Because they were looking for such uh, praise of men that he could not let that stand. My question that I have to ask, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it, was does God still bring that kind of judgment today? When I hear a story like that, it's almost frightening to me to think about those things. When I hear a like that, you almost say, I pray not. I pray it's not that away today because we see so many people that seem like they're so far away from God or that seem like they can just put on a good face for a part of, of church service but then go out in the world and don't live it. And yet the truth is, a lot of times there's still a penalty for obedience. There's still a penalty for not doing what God has called us to do. There may not be physical death here and yet we see a lot of struggles. We see a lot of failures. We see a lot of lost hope. A lot of lost peace. But our focus this morning is going to be the fear that came upon all of them. And what that did for the church. As we think about obedience. As we think about the blessing of obedience. We're going to talk about fear. And not just fear, but great fear. Life-altering fear. Fear that brings about carefulness. That's a King James Version word you find often. I love that word. Carefulness. It brought about a carefulness in all of those people around them. It brought about, no doubt, change in those that weren't doing what God had called them to do. The first thing I want to draw your attention to is I have no doubt that it brought about a self-examination. It brought about people stopping to, to look and say, am I doing what I'm supposed to? It brought about a time, no doubt, when people were examining their own actions. Someone once said, and I did not come up with this, but they said, we judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Think about that a little bit. We judge others by their actions, we say, well, that person ought to be doing more than what they're doing. That person's not doing what they're supposed to. That person's not following directions. And yet when we look at our own life, what do we do? Well, I meant to go. I thought about it. I almost did it. My heart was in the right place. I'm sure that people were doing a self-examination of their actions and going, am I living what God has called me to live? Am I doing what, what I have proclaimed that I'm going to be doing? I'm sure people were also examining their heart. When we take communion, 
which we're going to take communion next week in the 11 o'clock service. And we're getting closer to Easter. We're actually going to have a, a Maundy Thursday service. Is a, a tradition here where we wash feet and we also take communion again. I tell people, when we take communion, it's a time to examine yourself. And I like to have a moment of silence. And I'm not just sitting there asleep. I'm not sitting there going, what are we supposed to do next? I'm sitting there examining myself. Lord, is everything all right in my heart? Is everything all right in my actions? Is everything all right in my life? The truth is God sees our heart, but I want to ask the question, are we brave enough to look into our heart? Are we brave enough to look into the, the corners, so to speak, of our heart? To look to see what God sees? Sometimes the answer is no, we're not. The second thing that I want to bring forth for you to think about is I'm sure when they heard this, and you think about the great fear that came upon them, I'm sure it brought a renewed respect for God. Now, no doubt all these people respected God. They wouldn't be serving Him and following Him. And yet, I bet there was now a true awe and wonder about what God could do and who He was. I'm sure people, when they came into a place of worship, they go, we are before an almighty God. And it brought a sense of awe, a great sense of respect. No doubt this new respect for God or this renewed respect, if you will, it also brings confidence in God in a, in a strange sort of way. When I see how powerful God is, even in things that are difficult, even in things that are hard for me to accept, like this, it brings confidence in me that God knows what He's doing and that God can take care of my need and that God is watching, God sees me. You know, sometimes... God allows us to go through difficulties. He allows us to go through trials. He allows us to go through different things that we have to face. And yet he said, Jesus Christ said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, it brings confidence to know not that God always fixes everything the way I want it fixed, but that he's watching me, that he sees my struggles, he sees my needs. You know, when I pray, I want my prayer answered just like that. I want to open my eyes and everything be fixed. And the truth is, a lot of times it's not. But it's a blessing just to know God heard me. It's a blessing just to know that, that He is there walking with me. He didn't promise us that everything would be easy. But I have great confidence in knowing that I don't go through this alone. And I have no doubt that the people here that saw even this, what we might consider horrific thing going on in their midst here where two people were struck dead. Yet they said, God's watching us. Not a scary kind of like spying on you, but watching over us, caring for us, loving us. A verse came to mind, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for me, who cares who's against us? Who cares what we have to face? Doesn't mean it'll be easy, but it means we don't have to do it alone. It means we don't have to, to walk that path by ourselves. The last thing that I want to bring to your attention, as we think about the great fear that would have been brought a, upon this group of believers in this community around them, was they were actually blessed because they were obedient. You know, just because one group failed... There were a lot of people around them 
that didn't. There are a lot of good works going forward. There's a lot of, of great desire to see the community around them come to Christ. People weren't giving up their houses and their lands and their money just for nothing. They said, we want to see the gospel go forward. They stepped out in faith. They stepped forward in faith going, here, Lord, I want to see somebody's life transformed through Jesus Christ. Here, take this and use this the way you'd see fit. If we read the very next passage there in this story, it's Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 12, and it says this. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities, round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. You think about what their faithfulness, what their obedience, how that allowed God to work in a greater and more magnificent way. Obedience is a blessing because it keeps us in the center of God's will. Obedience is a blessing because it allows us to be used by God in a way that He sees fit. As we get ready to get a song, I'm going to give you step one this morning. And you think, well, Chris, if you're going to give us step one, isn't there step two, three, and four? No. I'm going to let you listen to the Lord. See how he's and what he's calling you to. But step one this morning is this. Give your heart completely to God and follow him obediently. Think about that. Let God use you. Let God transform you. Let God allow you to walk alongside of him. And reach out to those around you. Help those that truly have a need. And come with clean hands and a pure heart. Because you know what? It's wonderful when we can see God do great and amazing things. It feels good when when we give to something and and it helps something. But I'm going to tell you what obedience does more than anything else for me at least. It helps me lay down in the bed at night. And have peace in my spirit, joy in my heart, and a hope that no matter what happens, an assurance that no matter what happens, everything's going to be all right because of Jesus. As we get a song.